Ox was 12 when his daddy taught him a very valuable lesson. He said that Ox wasn't worth anything and people would never understand him. Then his dad left. Ox was 16 when he met the boy on the road. The boy who talked and talked and talked. Ox found out later that the boy hadn't spoken in almost two years before that day and that the boy belonged to a family who had moved into the house at the end of the lane. Ox was 17 when he found out that the boy's secret and it painted the world around him in colors of red and orange and violet, of alpha and beta and omega. Ox was 23 when murder came to town and tore a hole in his head and heart. The boy chased after the monster with revenge in his blood red eyes, leaving Ox behind to pick up the pieces. It's been three years since that fateful day and the boy is back, except now he's a man and Ox can no longer ignore the song that howls between them. Hello, everybody. This is The Book Imp, and welcome to Bookish Adventures. So Wolf Song by T.J. Klune is an amazing book, and you'll probably hear me say this a lot. But essentially, like, I read a lot of my books on Kindle, and Wolf Song had been in my queue for a couple of months. And I, you know, it sounded good, but I didn't know if I was really, like, into, like, feeling the shifter thing. You know, we all go through moods and whatnot. So, essentially, I finally read it. I started reading it on my Kindle. And halfway through the book, I'm like, I literally couldn't put it down. Like, I, I think I read it in 48 hours. 500 pages in 48 hours. And I'm not a very fast reader. So I'll say that right off the bat. I'm humble. We'll do that. Mm. (laughs) And I knew, like, I'm like, I need the physical copy of this book. I cannot, and I need the whole saga. There's four books in this series. I might do uh, episodes on those later, but, you know, I just, I had to have them. So I hopped to it and I got them. So this book is about 500 pages. It's like werewolves, supernatural kind of essence. When necessarily say there's no like vampires or total fantasy world. It's really magic users. There's like mages or wizards. I think they're considered more mages in this book. And werewolves. And so this book specifically Um, it's kind of odd because it covers 10 years, which a lot of books struggle. And one of my pet peeves with books is when they like, it's continual, like in, you know, 300 pages is covered in one day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a really long day. And then the book ends and the next book picks up and it's like the same day or it's like the next day or even maybe even the next week. There's really no time break, which kind of, I don't know, it lacks reality. Like, I understand it's a fiction, you know, it's a fictional story, but it's like beyond reality. And the point of novels is to transport you into that world so you can feel a part of that world. And if the world doesn't feel, like if it lacks the basic, logical, realistic feeling, then... That kind of 
lacks the transportation, in my mind. So, with T.J. Klune, this book covers 10 years, and I felt overall that he did a pretty good job with the information. Some of it was a little confusing going through it. I did have to reread um, a couple sections, a couple chapters, go back. I had some highlights and flags once the once the physical copy got to my house. I was so excited. Uh, <laughs> and I will be honest that it took probably a, like a couple chapters to really get into the story. Um, mostly because it's a part of the narration that Clune has. He has a very specific voice. As well as what I kind of learned is that the main character um, thinks kind of differently than I would say an average person. I'll get more into that in a minute. Uh, I also kind of felt like Clune was feeling out the plot as he was writing the book. But another major thing I'll note is that it covers 10 years. It starts with the main character is 12 and it goes till the main character is 23. Now, <laughs> now, I don't think that, you know, because some stories will start, you know, mid-life crisis or, you know, in this case, I'm 23 and all these bad things happen to me. But wait, let me explain why I act this way or why, you know, there's a bunch of backstory or backlashes or they run into somebody and then there's dialogue that you have to read through. I think TJ Klune did a great job approaching the buildup and the personal development that the main character went through by beginning in the childhood. So... The main character, his name is Ox, um, and he, he is so sweet. Like, it's really difficult because he, he, he develops so much in this book, like 10 years of his life. In the beginning, you know, he deals with a shit father who leaves him, and like I said, he thinks differently. He almost, it kind of gives the essence of a high-functioning person who may be on the spectrum. Uh, and so I, I kind of like that aspect, the idea of in, kind of potentially including in a mental illness where it wouldn't be identified, but just learning to live with it, that kind of thing. Nothing is identified in the book that Ox has, you know, any, um, any type, isn't on the spectrum, any of that. So, it's, in, but it's interesting because you'll see his development as he just kind of like, he just doesn't necessarily think like everybody else. And his, so his father thinks he's garbage. He doesn't have any value. He's worthless. And that no one will ever understand him because he thinks differently. He's like brainless and leaves, which is fine because he was an alcoholic, good for nothing. And then, so his mom is raising him. Um, and then he meets Joe and Thomas and Elizabeth and Mark and Carter and Kelly. So that's the whole family. That's the werewolves. They meet them. With Ox, on top of that, 
he gets a job because he knows his mom's struggling as a single mom working minimum wage at the diner. He would go to school and then go to the diner and work on his homework and his mom would take him home. And so in this case, what he often did was, or when he turned 15, I believe, he got a job at the mechanic shop where his dad actually used to work so that he could help his mom pay bills. He was, you know, because, you know, child labor laws, he had to work under the table until he was a certain age, you know, where it was legal for him to work there. And he became part of the crew and it was great. And um, the reason I mention this is because the characters in the shop are actually part secondary characters and, and kind of like also part of the main character crew for the whole saga. Ox, like I said, Ox is just a sweetheart. And he, he loves his mom. He loves family. Family is important to him. Everything that his father, like those words, sometimes people don't understand how, you know, how words can impact a person. And his father's words to him, like, stained him for life. And children are so impacted, so younger children are so much more impacted by these types of things. On top of, there's a lot of unconditional love with younger children. So he just believed what his dad told him. And he carried this. And so you see at certain points and certain conversations in the book where Ox is positioned in a scenario where he has to combat those values that he's placed on himself, aka the lack of value, that he's not important in any dynamic, and therefore he shouldn't have an opinion. He shouldn't be involved. He doesn't understand why people want to include him and ask him to come over. He, When he goes and asks one of the girls in the school on a date, He's so nervous. He thought he was going to vomit because why would anybody say yes for him? Like all this. He goes through all this self-identity. Clune does a great job of including it. I did know in the genre tags that this is an LGBT um, book. It has LGBT themes in it. TJ Clune is a huge writer of LGBTQ characters and plots and so ox what i also love is that clune not it, he includes all all parts it's not just gay lesbian heterosexual it's it's everything and i think again it adds that layer of reality it's very realistic so in this case ox is bi but he doesn't know that so he goes through this personal development where he's dating a girl and then he realizes that the werewolf boy that he met, um, who knew that, like, the Joe knew that they were mates. But Ox is not part of that culture. Ox doesn't really understand. And no one really explained it to him because he was young. And so as they grew up, and some of it, you know, more information was revealed to him, he kind of realized that, Joe and he, like, they're inseparable. 
he cares so much for Joe, and Joe cares so much for him. So that's why I say he's bisexual. You know, he, and he experienced with, um, talks about when he, like, he goes out of town with Carter. Carter's the oldest of the brothers. So there's Joe Kelly Carter. Goes out of town with Carter because Carter's t- um, going to university. He graduates and goes to university. All that cool stuff. And he, they go to a bar and he experiences a hookup and he's with a, with a man and he's like, you know what? I think I'm not entirely straight. Which is totally an epiphany that someone could have. Very realistic. So. Joe and Ox, by the time that they're both nearly adults. And I say both because there's a six-year age difference. And I'll come back to that point. They're both nearly adults. And they realize they're kind of for each other. And something bad happens where essentially Joe's father is murdered. But it's not just like he was killed or stabbed or got in a car crash. They were literally attacked by other wolves and mages and evil people. And so it took every everyone in the family to fight back. And the father, Thomas, ends up dying. With that, this is where, I mean, tragedy, people process trauma differently. If you don't know that, I'm going to give you a reality check. People process trauma differently. Joe processed the death of his father one way. Ox processed the death of his pseudo-father A different way. And they both realized, like, what the death of Thomas meant for the pack. And this caused a big issue, a a pretty big divide, which ends up leaving Joe running off for revenge. He takes, Joe takes Gordo, who owns the mechanic shop, and takes Carter and Kelly. And they leave. All four of them. Take off in search. And they're gone for three years. And in those three years, Ox pretty much becomes a human alpha. Which has never been heard of in the history of anything. And he becomes alpha. He gets other humans involved. He has this ability to bond the wolves and the humans together. So the guys at the mechanic shop start coming over and hanging out with the wolves. And they learn, you know, he he had to make a decision because the wolves are looking to him as the alpha of what to do. And he's like, our pack is too small. Now it's Mark, Elizabeth, and him. And that's it. And three, he's like, three can't defend this land. Three can't defend this land. Gordo is the mage that helps protect land. He's gone with Joe, Kelly, and Carter. Now, it's just Gordo, Elizabeth, or excuse me, it's Mark, Elizabeth, and Ox defending it. So he brings in Tanner, Rico, and Chris from the shop to build their numbers up. And then Chris's um, 
think sister Jessie, who is actually the girl that Ox dated in high school, uh, she gets involved too. When something really, like, something big happens, she gets kidnapped by, like I said, there's a lot of years covered in this book. So it's really hard to make this review and this discussion of this book because there's so much detail in here. Guys, it's crazy. You have to read this book. Or listen to it on audiobook if you can because it's also, like, would be wonderful to listen to. Um... But anyways, Jesse was kidnapped. They got her back. Da da da. Jesse found out. So now Ox is running like this program to train the humans to be part of the werewolf pack. And bada bing, bada boom. Now they're a bigger pack. And a bunch of other things happen in those three years. But then Joe comes back. They don't find the guy. The guys love them on a wild goose chase all over the states. They end up finding, seeing a prophesier, like a soothsayer kind of person. He's another mage who's very old, used to be a hunter, fell in love with a werewolf. They were mated. And then, so he gave up his hunter life. It's it's a huge background story. They really get more, so you get more information from it in book two. But it's like, and that's super sweet, really cool, kind of crazy. Like literally the first chunk of the second book covers the three years that they were gone because the second book is in Gordo's perspective. And it's about Gordo and Mark. So anyways. I lost my train of thought. Joe, Gordo, Kelly, and Carter come back. And there's this kind of a mini standoff. There's another new addition to the pack, which is Robbie. To Ox's pack, I forgot to mention Robbie. Robbie was sent to monitor Ox from the home base on the East Coast. I think it's it's located in Virginia. And, And they all located in Oregon. And it like... Robbie's never had a home and he meets Ox and is just like, you're my alpha. Like this is, I can't believe this sensation. Like I have to obey you. You are my alpha. And so they get back and like, there's this issue with both of them. Like, cause it, it, Joe's supposed to be the alpha, but Joe abandoned his family to go for revenge. Then, then he came back, you know, then, then Ox became Alpha, and he came back, and, wow, it was a, it's a mess. They figure it out, obviously, they make amends, there is a sexual scene between two men, just forewarning, if that's not your thing, probably don't read this book. And they decide that they're going to be both alphas. And the guy who killed Thomas ends up coming back for a challenge. They end up killing him. But in the process, Ox is severely injured and is on death's door. And the only way to save him is Joe turns him into a wolf. So you have the, the wolf born and then you have the wolf created. So now Ox is a wolf created. He's this huge black wolf. If you see any fan art of this. 
You usually see Ox with a darker toned skin, dark hair, and he is a black wolf with red eyes. And Joe is a completely white wolf with blue eyes. They're so gorgeous together. I have them as a wallpaper on my computer. So cute. I love them. So that's essentially the story in a nutshell. I know it took me like 20 minutes to describe it. And I hope, you know, I'll get be more punctual with some <laughs> some of the other ones. Um, so I'll lead into kind of some, some, some of my pros and cons. I'm going to highlight what I really liked and what, like, I didn't really like or what could be improved upon. So, my main three highlights for this book is that it's the LGBTQ theme. Like, I'm a total supporter of that. I think it's great to have these on the market. As a media researcher, I see a lot of acceptance for, like, lesbian couples or lesbian erotica. So, it's kind of tough to see media that is solidly LGBTQ inclusive for everybody. And I think Kloon does a great job with that in his books. There's one there's one character who's could almost be described as pansexual. There's one character who could be considered they're completely they're gay. Um another character is lesbian, you know, and then there's kind of heterosexual characters in here too. So I don't want, you know, I don't want there to be this idea that it's strictly LGBTQ, some gay fantasy world. No, it's very realistic where there's a couple characters throughout that are gay, lesbian, asexual. There's a character who's asexual that I absolutely love. I want to give snaps for that. So love it. I mean, they're actually in book three, which I love. Oh my God, that, that book made me cry. But I'll, I'll talk about that later. Another highlight is um, kind of the expression of like psychology and mental illness. Potentially, even though it's implied, I want to say that it's implied. I could be completely wrong about this. But it almost seems implied that the, that Ox might potentially have a... Um, be neurodiverse. I think that'd be a more appropriate way to say it instead of a mental illness. He's neurally diverse. He, he thinks differently. He acts differently. And it's fantastic that this is included in media. And my third one is um, that the writing style, and I think this is for the saga itself, because I've looked through a couple of other series by TJ Klune, and it's not, the style is not expressed this way for those characters, and that, the plot and the, the storyline. But in the Green Creek series, which is the series title for this series I'm talking about, for Wolf Song, being the first book in it, the writing style expresses the main character's thought processes. And it's in almost like a poetic um, writ sort of way 
where it's like words and they go down the page and it's this thought, that thought, and it, and it shows kind of the informational processing of the character. What are they sensing and perceiving and how are they going to react? And they kind of think through this and some people don't like this and that's fine. Right? It's fine. If you don't like this, you can listen to my synopsis about this book and hopefully your soul is fulfilled. So, and I think it's just so unique. I think that's why I have it as my highlight. It's not so much that I prefer this style or anything. It's more so I thought it, the way Clune narrated the story was very unique and creative. And I think that's why I have it as my highlight. Because I haven't read a book that's written like this in a very... Yeah? In a very long time? Or maybe never. It's just unique. I love it. Like, it makes my heart fill to the brim. And it's great. Okay, so now we're going to get into, like, the low lights of, like, some of the things that I had issues with or comments on. These are kind of, like, you know, the lighter concerns. And then I'll get into, like, severe complications or notes that I had about it. And then we'll have some author critiques. So, my first note is the race of some of these characters. And I know that some people don't think this is a big deal. And and I typically don't. But the way that some some of the characters are described it's a little confusing to me so like Rico at the mechanic shop Rico some people would instantly assume that that is Hispanic and you know stereotypically Hispanic obviously so like please note that it's stereotypical not that I'm saying you know I'm not saying that all Ricos are Hispanic so please note that right so you might initially think that Rico is Hispanic. Well, lo and behold, stereotypically, he is Hispanic. And he has, like, Clune includes little snippets where he uses Spanish and Spanglish throughout the book. So in this case, Ox is described as having, like, darker bronze tan skin and, like, dark hair, almost, like, dark brown, nearly black hair and dark eyes. And everyone is described as, like, completely white. So, like, I don't know, I was just confused. And even his mom's described as white. So I'm like, i confused at, like, his heritage. And I think, and here's the discrepancy that I noted. Um, that in the second book, <laughs> some in the second book, Ox is actually described as white <laughs> with pale skin. But yet in books one three and four, he's consistently described as darker bronze skin. And I want to say that there was only one point in the second book that he was described as white. But remember also that um, the second book is not in Ox's perspective. So he's being described from Gordo, who I believe is 
also Hispanic, possibly. So there's some diversity in the racial racial culture in the book as well, which is interesting. But I kind of feel like it lacks some definition beyond Rico using Spanglish. Yeah. So I think that could have been maybe a little bit more clearly included. And to diversify the characters. Some of the characters don't seem very well developed. And I'll, um, I'll actually go ahead and mention that next. Is that some character development is not overly strong. Which when they're secondary characters. Especially considering this is the first book. And some of these characters take a bigger lead later on. Especially since some of these characters take a bigger lead later on in the stories. I'd like... It kind of makes sense that maybe these characters would stay on the back burner. But Chris and Tanner in the mechanic shop, they were kind of ambiguous. Compared to Rico from the mechanic shop and Jesse, Chris's relative. So... Yeah, so that's kind of a discrepancy that I noticed. And even, I would even say with Chris and Tanner, the weird thing is they're like, their relationship is interesting. But they're still like (laughs) ambiguous. Like I said, it's interesting because it doesn't explain it well. And their relationship really isn't like identified until the fourth book. Like, I don't know. They're kind of like background characters. They're not even really secondary characters. They're like background characters. Even though they have a very strong connection and are consistently mentioned throughout the plot, they are not really secondary characters. So, that's that's kind of interesting. Maybe not that important. Some, you know, there's a lot of main characters in this. Because you have, you know, Joel, Elizabeth, Thomas... Kelly and Carter, just the werewolf pack there, right? That's five characters that are all intertwined severely because Joe is, like, deeply connected with Ox. Same with Thomas. Kelly and Carter really helped with Ox's um, self-identity development in their teenage years. And this brings me to a third low light is the timeline. So, the amount of time covered in this book is a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. I've I've already mentioned that. It's a lot. So, (laughs) details can get muddled. Details can get confusing. Some things are kind of potentially left out or skewed or whatnot, right? So, yeah. Like I was saying. And my last kind of low light discrepancy is kind of goes back to like the racial and cultural identities and information portrayed with personal characters, personal development and expression is just some um, differences 
in description. So the house at the end of the lane that the werewolves live in, and Ox lives on the lane too, they have the house down, there's the house at the end of the lane that the wolves live in, and he lives in the house next to it. Well, it's been described as the blue house across the street, but it's the blue house next to it, and it's the blue house down the street, it's the blue, like, this house has to be like Baba Yaga's house's cousin, because it moves, it must have chicken legs underneath it or something, because it, like, shifts around in the storytelling, and when I read it, I can't get a mental grasp on the layout like the to- topography and the geography and the location of where these buildings are. The road, like obviously, I know the dirt road is in the center, but I don't know where the houses are located. Where is it? You know, whatever. Anyways, you know. So it's confusing because at some in some points, and not just in this book, in the other books too, it's described as across the lane. So like, oh, Ox runs across the street to the blue house. You know, and which is his house apparently, which is across the street. But it's not across the street; it's the house at the end of the lane. So there's the dirt road that connects to the other houses. Does it go straight up to the house at the end of the lane that the werewolves live in? Does it end? Is it a cul-de-sac, like, or is it just a dead-end dirt road? You know, whatever. I've seen a lot of back-road country roads that are literally just you're driving and then it's a field, like you just like. Okay, there's nothing anymore. So I don't like I don't know. Those descriptions kind of mess with it a little bit and I think detract from the story. Now some severe complications and notes. First off, trigger warnings. There is sex scenes that are explicit. There are two in this book near the end. Specifically when Joe comes back after his revenge streak with his brothers and Gordo. And then there's a final one at the very, 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 very end of the book when, um, after Ox has become a werewolf and they decide to exchange mate marks and lo and behold, Ox becomes werewolf Jesus that they describe in the second book and it's hilarious. And he takes that moniker like through the rest of the series. So if you're not into homosexual sex scenes, this is a trigger warning. You're not going to want to read this book, or you're going to be very cautious when you read this book, and when it starts getting heated, skip over it, right? There's also lesser scenes where it's like, uh, you know, there's heavy petting and light petting, there's some kissing, hugging, holding hands, all that kind of stuff. So if that's not your bag, probably don't read it. Another one for trigger warnings, a lot about abandonment. His dad left him. Then his pseudo-dad, Thomas, got murdered in front of him. And he felt helpless. And he couldn't do anything. Um, and then Joe leaves him. The chase. That, the chase after it. Right? And Gordo also leaves with Joe. So Gordo's kind of like an uncle. Slash another potential pseudo dad. Leaves with Joe. And it just. It really affects him. And it can affect the readers too. If you are struggling with abandonment and you're reading this book, some of this could be a potential trigger to you as you're reading through it because it's tough. And it's tough because transportation is real. Transportation theory, 
when you read a book and you feel you feel any kind of relation to yourself or your experiences you can be transported in it and you can physiologically react to it and that's why books are so amazing that's why people watch tv shows even you know all media is that way wishful identification and representation like we feel like we can be included in the story and so I mentioned I was going to come back to the age difference between Ox and um, Joe. So I didn't mention this before, but a lot of reviewers, if you go on to Goodreads, um, there are some pretty harsh comments about this, where Joe and Ox are six years apart. They met each other when Ox was 16 and Joe was 10. And Joe immediately knew that Ox was his mate. And they're like, people are freaking out, like, how does a 10-year-old, like, mate? What? No. And I'm like, okay, if Twilight can do it with Jacob and Renesmi, and people aren't flipping out about that, okay, Clune can do it in Wilsong between Ox and Joe, right? And there's not, and that, and the one in that one is creepy as F, right? Because Jacob loves Bella, loved Bella, whatever, wanted to fight for her. She births a child. And the child is rapidly growing. I think I think Renesmee is like almost a four-year-old when Jacob walks into the bursts into the Colin house and is like, blah, 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 and sees Renesmee and the world falls away and he's like, oh my god, I'm connected to this child and this is my my thing, like this is my person. I can't say a thing because that's objectification and whatever. We won't get into that. But yeah, it is. It can be creepy. And it's a cultural thing, too. I'm going to mention this. In werewolf lore, there's mates. And when you have mates, you are attracted to them. But, note in this case that developmentally, Joe doesn't want to have sex with the ox as a 10-year-old. Joe just knows that this is his person. This is the person he's going to be with the rest of his life. For everything. Best friends, whatever. It doesn't matter. Wants to be with him. And a lot of reviewers get really upset because because they find it creepy. And I know tons of couples who are 10 years, 13 years apart. They, of course, met later in life. but And there's high school sweethearts who've known each other since kindergarten. Did you think when they're in kindergarten, they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to marry that person in like 18 years. No. These things are developed over time. And so, yes, Joe was like, this is my person, this is my mate. Cool beans. But, Ox over time learned about it and Ox had a choice the entire time. And lo and behold, Joe did have a choice to be friends, not be friends, whatever. And so, it was completely consensual. Like, the first sex scene with them together, they were 21, I think. Yeah, 21, 27. So, yeah. So, this book covers more than 10 years. I think it covers 20 years. Oh, my God. Like I said, that was another one of my severe notes is that it's a long time that this book covers. Long time. It is a lot. So, anyways. Yes. 
I personally don't think the age difference is that bad. I think it completely makes sense when you take in werewolf lore and culture. And the fact that how Clune wrote it is that Ox, there was consent the entire time. Thomas explained it to him that he didn't have to accept it. He was not forced into anything. And he could choose. And Ox thought about it. And Ox had a choice of being away. And when Joe was struggling, the family stood up for him and were like, Okay, Ox, I think you need to give Joe some space. And Ox did. Even if it hurt them and whatnot, then they, like, when they were ready to talk about it, they talked it out. Which is great. That's what needs to happen. And last but not least, we're going to roll into the author critique. So all in all, even though it took me a bit to get into, like, really adjust my headspace to follow along in this book, and despite the number of years it covered, um, I really say that Kloon has an impressive writing style. He writes implicitly with lots of foreplanning. And it's highlighted throughout the series. And there's a couple other authors that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about too that are just exceptional at this that are mind-blowing. And so there's some, there's some highlighting. So in the second book, there's a character that comes in who actually in the fourth book makes the main debut. And it's crazy. Like the amount of foreplanning that Clune did for this series is, is pretty amazing. And so also even within this book in the 20 years that transpire... There's a lot of foreplanning that come up within its own plot that pops up. And each book kind of has its own, like, little subplots and then other pieces that, like, come up. Like, so, obviously, I just think he's a genius. Again, I'm going to do another shout-out to the LGBTQ themes. Everybody's included in that aspect. Clune is very descriptive on sexual identity and sexual orientation and acceptance and growth. Sometimes there is an acceptance and how does that happen and how do those conversations happen? How does consent happen? How that has those conversations happen? Clune's very good at including that. And last but not least, recognition of developmental concepts. Just the way that Ox develops and Joe develops and even Kelly and Carter develop throughout this book and then the death of their father and pseudo-father, and then how they grow past that and come back together and communicate. I think all of that just, you know, go back back into that comment about foreplanning in plots and such. I think recognition of developmental concepts is, is marvelous in this. So, yeah, I really enjoyed reading Clune. I have multiple other series by him and some of his standalone novels that have been awarded like number four in the, you know, best read like summer read lists for America. Like it's good. So he's a great author and I strongly encourage you to read him. Um, read his series. He has a wonderful blog and website. Um, and you can buy his books on Amazon. There's a Amazon link in the description for this podcast. So if you're interested in this book, you want to go do it. There's the Kindle audiobook paperback, and then you can get mass market paperback. Not sure what that is, but bada bing, bada boom. It's available to you. 
Thank you for joining me on this discussion of Wolf Song by TJ Klune. I hope you enjoyed and I hope you can comment and share and give me ideas on what books you'd like me to discuss and share with the world. This is The Book Imp and happy bookish adventures.